everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the Talking Chop podcast. Uh, there's a lot going on this week, and joining me to talk about everything that's happened and what will happen, the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? How you doing, Brad? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Uh, I think you probably, outside of Carlos, who doesn't really count, I think you are the number one guest we've had. I think it's somewhere in a dead heat between you and Eric, but I think you might have edged him out at this point. So that'll be an ongoing theme as to who, who's on more often between the two of you. I was trying to think of a good number 40 for the Braves, but I can't. So there we go. Uh, I, went, I went Marvin Freeman right away, but that was like long, long, long time oh, ago. So. Yeah. Uh, people, I'm sure we have listeners like, for instance, Carlos would have no idea who that was. And he's, uh, actually been on this podcast several times, but Hey, Marvin Freeman, but there's extra stuff to talk about. And speaking of the name, uh, the number 40, we have a couple of pitchers to talk about who are over 40 and that is a professional segue for people in the business. Um, Scott, uh, I guess the headliner is, uh, the thing that I know you and I are both very excited about. And that is Bartolo Colon is a member of the Atlanta Braves. I am so excited for Big Sexy to be at Cobb County Stadium <laughs> next year. It's it's great. Uh, uh, yeah, it's. Let me. Look, I guess we should run on with specifics in case people have been asleep. Uh, Cologne, uh, the reported deal. I don't think the Braves have actually announced this one, which makes it odd. But I guess it's it's because it's, it's pending a physical for Cologne. But it's one year and twelve and a half million dollars for Cologne, uh, who is forty three years old. He'll be forty four in May. Uh, and we can talk about sort of how good he's been lately, but uh, I guess that's this. Those are those are the specifics. What was your, what was your first reaction? I know you love Cologne just like I do, but uh, from an actual baseball sense, uh, did you did you, is this something that you actually like the Braves doing? I think this makes all the sense in the world, and really it fits right in with what John Capolella told the media a week or two ago is that they needed pitching. Um, you know, of course, they used 16 starters last year, and while they needed pitching, they weren't going to go out and sign a couple guys to big, you know, four or five year deals and overpay. Um, Bartolo has been incredibly solid over the last uh, six or seven years, very consistent. Um, he's posted a war between 2.4 and 2.9 in five of the last six years. In the year he didn't, it was his best year yet with the A's, it was a 3.8. Um, he, he's steady. It's a one-year deal. The money is a little steep at twelve and a half million, but um, I kind of alluded to this in the write-up uh, I did on him the other day. I would much rather take Bartolo for twelve and a half million um, than take on someone like Ivan Nova for similar money over four or five years guaranteed. So I like it a lot. I think uh, you know you can never tell with, with pitchers, especially older pitchers, when they're going to break down. But if the last half half decade or so is anything to uh, you know, foreshadow what's to come. I think it'll be really a smart move for the Braves that helps them out in 2017 without without clogging anything up beyond. Yeah, I think that's the big thing about the money. Uh, you know, at first blush, it does seem a little bit high at 12 and a half million, but for what he's been lately, um, if he's even 80 percent of the pitcher he's been the last five or six years, then that's it becomes a bargain based on what we what we know about how much money a win costs, so to speak. Um, and you know, Cologne, it's baked in there that. He's, this is only a one-year deal, and for guys that want to uh, to sign a guy to a one-year deal uh, is actually a luxury um, rather than a, a curse. But which some people might think that it is one, but uh, getting getting him on a one-year deal probably raises the price tag. Um, even at his age, I'm sure he probably could have gotten more than one year from someone. It just probably it, it would have been at a, at a lower number. And again, just like you said, I'd rather pay I'd rather pay a lot in year one, especially with the Bra- with the way the Braves are set up with all this young pitching coming. Um, paying on shorter term deals and paying a little bit more money to get a guy like Cologne is is really kind of the perfect uh, scenario. I mean, 
You mentioned his stats lately. He was very, very good last year, a 3-4-3 ERA. um, And he's had, you know, four straight seasons of at least 190 innings. Um, You know, this is a guy who doesn't strike out anybody at all. Um, He has five straight years now with less than seven strikeouts per nine innings. So it's not like Cologne's like the most um, fascinating pitcher to watch in terms of a a power guy or a stuff guy. But his control is uh, probably, you know, up there with the best in the league. Um, five straight years of, of 1.5 walks per nine or better for Cologne. So he's like what you want Matt Whistler to be uh, in like the perfect scenario of a guy who's not going to strike anybody out but actually doesn't walk anybody either. And he kind of does it with smoke and mirrors. And at 43, uh, going to be 44, like I said at the beginning, the wheels could come off here. I mean, that's something that has to be said is that Cologne can't do this forever. And not even a guy who we like this much and who is as entertaining as he is. Um, can't do this forever, but I'm, I'm totally on board with one year, 12 and a half million. If it, if it was 15, I'd probably, be, I'd probably be okay with it. I would say that it was a lot of money for him, but I would have been okay with it. And at 12 and a half, I think it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely fine and trending towards good value. I would say. I think so too. And just to give Braves fans out there an idea, you know, Greg Maddox and no one's calling Bartolo Colon the next Greg Maddox by any means. Speak for yourself, Scott. I think I I might be. His, uh, you know, the last five or six years, his strikeout and walks are really pretty identical to Greg Maddox's career numbers. Maddox struck out about six per nine and walked about one per nine. um, And that's pretty close to what Bartolo has done. Um, of course, no one is going to expect Bartolo to go out and win a Cy Young. No one's expect him to strike out 200, as you mentioned. Um, but he, he's a steady veteran, a guy who should be able to help some of the young pitchers, too. He's well-regarded in the clubhouse. Um, and we also get three to four at-bats of Bartolo Colon every five days, which I think is worth the $12 million itself. Oh, just for entertainment value, there's no question about it. And Cologne, uh, either Cologne or the next guy we're going to talk about is probably going to start on opening day at SunTrust Park because uh, of the way the schedule lays out. It's probably not going to be Julio Tehran. It's probably going to be one of these three four guys. And uh, the other guy, I mean, we talked about Cologne, but the other guy that actually signed first and we were going to leave this podcast with prior to the Cologne signing is R.A. Dickey. Um, the Braves, just for specifics, if again, if you're just hearing about this stuff for the first time, uh, they've guaranteed R.A. Dickey $8 million. Um, it's basically $7.5 million for 2017 with an $8 million team option for 2018 that has a $500,000 buyout. So essentially, it's a one-year uh, deal with a club option. Um, R.A. Dickey uh, is also very old, as you might expect, as someone uh, who's been around for a long time. He just turned 42, so not quite as old as Cologne. But um, the big thing with, with Dickey, at least uh, from uh, from what we've been uh, hearing from fans, is uh, concerned that he's a knuckleballer. Uh, for those of you that don't are familiar with his work, he is a knuckleball pitcher, uh, former Cy Young winner. Um, that was kind of a fluky season from all accounts, but uh, Dickey's a guy who's going to eat innings for you, but knuckleball guy, uh, older guy again, you know, combined age of 85 between Cologne and Dickey. Uh, were you on board with with Dickey uh, before the Cologne deal, and how do you how do you feel about it after? Do, you, do your feelings change at all about the Dickey deal after the Cologne deal happened, or are you okay with both of them? Again, similar to Bartolo because it's just a one-year deal, or, well, a guaranteed one-year deal, and there's the option for 2018. Um, and for the less money of $8 million, I'm totally fine with it. Again, this is not a major financial uh, contribution. You're not banking the next couple of years on, on R.A. Dickey. Um, he, isn't been, he hasn't been quite as good as Bartolo the last couple seasons, though part of that might be pitching in, in Toronto, which is a hitter's paradise. I think getting back to the National League East will be good for him 
of course, he was so good with the Mets about five years ago. So, um, you know, Dickey, again, he's like Bartolo in the sense he's going to throw you 180, 200 innings. Uh, he's not going to go in a Cy Young. He's not going to go strike out 200 batters, but is going to be steady. The guy who can help mentor some of the young pitchers. And, you know, if, if it's just not working, if he starts to look like a 42, 43-year-old in the middle of the summer, um, it's not like the Braves have their hand uh, tied to him for the next half decade. Uh, they could always trade him. They could always bump him to the bullpen um, to open a spot for for one of the young pitchers knocking on the door. Um, so I'm fine with it. Again, the money isn't big. It's a one year guarantee. Uh, they either pay him five hundred thousand dollars or pay him eight million if they want him for 2018. Um, it seems like another move that was right up John Coppola's alley when he kind of laid out the the off season plan. And um, I think there's a lot to like for a guy with very little risk who can eat you know some steady innings for you at the back of the rotation. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about big picture in a second, but like on Dickey alone, like both of these guys in Cologne and Dickey, while the age is undeniable, both of those guys have profiles where it, is, it isn't as crazy as you might think because of Cologne's control that we talked about and the fact that you know knuckleballers often pitch uh, later than most people would ever pitch. You know, Tim Wakefield was like basically in his low to mid forties when he retired. Um, guys, you know, Dickey was not great last year. You know, a four point four six ERA. 5.03 FIP, so not not what you want from a uh, from anything more than a fifth starter. But even if he's just a fifth starter who can eat, you know, 180 innings for you with you know competently, that's that's something that's probably worth the money that he's going to be paid. It's one of those things where you know his Cy Young form from 2012 is long gone, I would say. But even in a down year last year, he was you know better than replacement level. He had 1.1.0 Fangraphs WAR last year, about a, about a half win for Baseball Reference, and in a bad in a quote unquote bad year. Um, if they can get him in here and kind of you know iron things out a little bit with Dickey and make him passable, then it's it's just fine. I'm actually, you know, signing both of them is kind of the interesting you know thought provoking exercise. But do you, I don't know. The question is, I guess, and I was going to ask you this later, but I guess if it fits in now, is that you think these, these two moves sort of end the offseason for Braves um, in terms of pitching is concerned. There were some rumors before these two moves about guys like Chris Archer in a trade or Chris Sale or one of these guys we talked about a lot about a trade prospects. You think that, do you think these, the, the two, these two signings kind of close the door on that, or is it still open given the fact that, look, I think you know four rotation spots, at least for now, are pretty much locked up with Tehran, Fultonavich, um, Colon and Dickey, and then you have guys like Whistler and a couple of other guys who battle at the fifth spot. But still, you know, if they wanted to, if they get into camp and hate Ari Dickey uh, potentially, if he doesn't, if he's not looking what, what what they want him to look like, then they could get more flexible. So I guess the question is, uh, are, are the Braves done? They talked about signing two guys or two or three guys. This, they've already signed two, and there's a couple of other guys, including Josh Colmenter, who we can get to in a second. But um, are are they going to be done here, or should we keep an eye out on this? Oh, I think any time that John Coppola is running your baseball team, you never once think that you're done for anything. It might seem like he's ready to kind of sit back and fill in a couple other spots on the roster, and, and we'll touch on those. But, you know, the Braves are one of the few teams who do have the prospects to pull off a blockbuster deal for a Chris Sale, a Chris Archer, um, a any of the Rays starters. Even I like Odorizzi and Smiley a whole lot, especially if we can get him out of that division. Um, I don't necessarily know if the Braves are going to throw six prospects at the White Sox to get Chris Sale, um, but I do think with these two veteran signings, it allows Copy to kind of sit back and evaluate the market and think, you know, if we don't go make a trade this offseason for a, a top-tier starter, we're going to be okay. It's not a situation where they're looking around and, and don't have any idea who's going to pitch every fifth day for them. Um, 
But at the same time, I don't think if, if the last two years are any indication that John Coppola has wanted to sit back and just kind of watch things and maybe sign another swing man or two like Josh Colmenter, um, I think they'd be okay with rolling in with, with Aaron Blair or Matt Whistler as their fifth starter or a Colmenter. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised in the least if they were to swing a deal for an Archer, an Odorizzi, a Smiley, um, a Sonny Gray in Oakland. Um, so it's I guess it's kind of a non-answer, but I think that as long as, as the front office is the way it is, they'll always be looking to make a deal. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Copy is you know, famously active, and a couple of times here during his run, he's just sprung, th- he's just sprung things out of nowhere that were not rumored anywhere. He, they're, they're pretty good about uh, dampening down leaks, so I'm kind of reticent to like really think about any, any information that we actually quote-unquote know right now uh, usually is from the other side. I think about the Yankees stuff. I'm, I'm fairly yeah. confident the Yankees leaked all of that. Uh, and it was Same up- with the Rays, too, yeah. on Archer. They just went up the price. Yeah, absolutely, and that makes sense, and there's nothing wrong with that, but in terms of... Uh, I think it's still wide open, and there, you know, it would not surprise me in the slightest if they went out and still did one of these things. And if that means that you know you throw Matt Whistler and you say, Matt, guess what? You ha- you have you you now have to beat out R.A. Dickey for your rotation spot, or Aaron Blair. We're going to start you and Gwinnett unless you just blow us away in spring training. I have no beef with that. And then you know, honestly, it would surprise me a little bit if both Cologne and Dickey were good in 2017. Just because of the age and all that stuff, and you know, the math kind of says that you know one of those guys is probably not going to be great uh, to the point where you know even if they're not awful and like the the wheels fly off, they'll be re- they'll be replaceable. Uh, especially if Dickey just does what he did last year, um, that's a guy who you probably want to do better than in your rotation. So if for some reason they come out and get, got to a slow start and they want to go to Whistler or Blair. Um, and after they've already traded for Chris Archer or Chris Sale or, or Sonny Gray, like all those guys that you talk to, it's, t- it's tough to pinpoint a deal for those guys without knowing more because, uh, as we talked about a lot between you and I, I think a lot of Braves fans uh, are not realistic about what the actual price will be for those guys. You mentioned six prospects for a sale. That probably gonna be, is going to be the price, and that's probably going to be too much for a lot of people to stomach. For a pitcher especially, it's tough to justify that kind of that kind of haul on a more volatile guy because pitchers are always more volatile. That's just kind of the way things are. But if they wanted to do that, they're deep enough to do it. And if in, you know the presence of R.A. Dickey is not going to stop Copy from pulling that deal off, I guess is what uh, you're saying. I think, and definitely what I'm saying is that a stopgap guy like this is nice to have. And Colmutz, who, we'll, who we'll hit on in a second, it's good to have depth there. But if that if that's the only stand between Copy and getting a, a top tier guy, he's going to do it anyway. There's no question about that. Well, and while we we're counting on, you kind of mentioned with Dickey and, and with Cologne, but we're also counting on Julio Tehran and Mike Fultonevich. I think it's dangerous when you pencil guys in for 200 innings, especially when Fulte has never done it before. Sure. Um, and Julio, while he's been incredibly durable throughout his career, you know, at any point that elbow can pop. And of course, you could play that game with any pitcher in baseball. But yeah, I can't imagine that the Braves are going to be happy with a couple of guys in their early 40s, even if they are solid and kind of fit the plan for when they want to be competitive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they had at least someone. Um, again, the two guys who I would probably push for would be Odorizzi or Smiley in Tampa Bay. Um, the price won't be nearly as steep as what it would be for Archer, and both are two solid guys. Um, but we could probably throw out, you know, 40 different three and four starters in baseball who would make sense for Atlanta right now. Yeah, that's it's it's fun. And we've we've done some of that. But, you know, it's 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 kind of a counterproductive to go through names without actually getting any intel 
out there. And, you know, the GM meetings just happened. The winter meetings are coming. Um, that's when stuff actually usually gets uh, gets done. You know, we saw Simmons was traded before the winter meetings last year, but the, really the other big flying stuff happened uh, later when you got into December. So uh, the, the Braves made some fireworks early, you know, more than most teams in the league. They've made a lot of moves so far. But at the same time, like, there's, there's a long way to go here. Even if the Braves... You know, I guess I'll ask you this: Would you be surprised if the Braves sign another free agent pitcher? Um, hmm. You know, guys like guys like Rich Hill have been famously. You know, the Braves were linked to him. I think Dob's been talking about Rich Hill as a guy. Um, Jason Hamill made a lot of sense to a lot of people when uh, it was announced that uh, his his option was being declined by the Cubs. Would that shock you? That would surprise me more than a trade. But I yeah. guess it would depend on which kind of pitcher it was and what kind of contract you can get him on. Because you know, value is really usually tough to come by. But if maybe if they got a good deal on somebody, they might be willing to do that. I don't know. Boy, you know, without knowing what the trade market is like, I mean, this time last year, nobody would have thought that the Braves would have got what they got for Shelby Miller. Um, so if the trade market is just outrageous, if, you know, we mentioned the Rays, if the price for Odorizzi is Ozzie Albee, Sean Newcomb, and Dustin Peterson, then I think the answer is yes, it's more likely they go with a free agent. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if they signed somebody like Jason Hamill. Um, Rich Hill would surprise me just because of the injury concerns in his past. Um, he seems like someone who's probably a little better off going to a contender right now, a little more money too. But um, I would think it's more likely they make a trade than a signing. But if the price is right, uh, why not? You know, if you can get a solid guy, a solid three or four for a cheap rate for two or three years, I, I'd be all for that. Yeah, I think Hamill's probably my favorite guy on the market. Yeah, um, same so here. You know, Hill's Hill's upside is obviously a lot higher than Hamill. Um, but guys, you know, the rest of the market is famously awful. We talked about that on the podcast for several weeks now. Um, guys like Yvonne Nova and Jeremy Hellickson do not interest me unless they become on a steep discount. And there's no reason for them to come to Atlanta on a steep discount right now because the Braves aren't a contender immediately. So, um, yeah, I mean, short of getting a, a guy like Hamill, who I think is a legitimate, you know, fourth starter, I would say, maybe a three and a pinch, but really a fourth guy. Um, yeah. If you got him on a good on, on, on a good contract, then I would certainly be okay with that. And then you just kind of figure out the rest later. Um, but aside from that, I'm with you. I, I just want to throw it out there because uh, I've been asked a couple of times about that if, in terms of the free agent market. And that I, I do think the signings of Cologne Dickey really slows that down. Uh, but the trade market is just different because you're looking at a higher quality guy, at least in theory. And uh, that makes it easier to swallow, um, potentially paying R.I. Dickey $8 million to not be in your rotation. Um, but I don't, I don't think you pay him that money and then uh, and then suddenly pay $15 million a year for Jason Hamill and have sort of a weird uh, rotation spot. So I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, and again, there's no telling. Of course, Bartolo was gone after this year, and Dickey is more than likely gone, but there's no telling what Mike Voltanevich is going to do. Yeah, he turned in a good 2016, but he could easily revert back to where he was as a rookie 2015. There's always the injury risk with Julio. You don't know. You don't have any idea what Sean Newcomb is going to be this time in a year or two. You don't know how Max Fried is going to progress as he hits the upper levels. Um, and there's certainly no shortage of guys who have big question marks within the organization right now, as does every pitching prospect in baseball, honestly. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they swung another free agent deal. Um, just it really depends on what the trade market looks like. For sure. And, you know, we, we, there's other spots to talk about that we'll hit on in a second, but I do want to hit on a couple of uh, off-the-radar things the Braves did this week, but still could be noteworthy. We mentioned Colmenter a couple of times. Uh, Josh Colmenter, um, he avoided arbitration with the Braves, basically uh, a $1.2 million base salary for 20, uh, 2017 with $1.2 million additional 
and incentives. Colmenter was uh, sneaky decent down the stretch last year. It was a very small sample. He'll be 31 in February. Um, he was famously pretty good with Arizona in 2014. Had a, three, had a 3.46 ERA and almost 180 innings. But um, this is definitely an off-the-radar guy who could he could profile as a bullpen arm. And I think that's um, that's definitely something that has to be said. It's not as if Colmenter is going to be a promised rotation spot here. But um, did you like that move, keeping him around? Um, looks like more like a swing starter guy, a long relief guy after the two uh, other moves. But maybe he can push guys like Whistler and Blair for that fifth spot if everything comes together. Yeah, I think they ended up paying Colmenter like a million dollars or two. Um, I would ultimately think that he's kind of the swing man, the long man in the bullpen, maybe makes a couple starts if somebody has a stomach bug that night. But, um, you know, again, as John Coppola mentioned, it's hard to find steady innings in baseball right now. Um, if Colmenter can make, you know, 20 appearances, uh, you know, say 15 or so out of the bullpen and, and then uh, in long relief and then a couple starts here and there, um, I think it'll be money well spent. He's certainly not a flashy guy. You mentioned he was pretty solid down the stretch in, in September, um, but it made sense. He seemed to be comfortable here, um, and the Braves are always looking for, for veterans to kind of bridge to 2018. So it made a lot of sense, and uh, for the price, it was I'm sure it was a no-brainer for the front office. Yeah, I mean, having the guy already around, and, you know, I heard a lot of, you know, surprisingly a lot of positive things about Coleman. Not that I would hear negative things, but, like, it seemed like people were higher on him than I thought they'd be just based on that small sample. But I guess he made an impression. The organization made it a priority to keep him around. And look, at, the, at that price, it doesn't really matter. If, he's, if, he's, if, if you're in spring training and you realize that Coleman has nothing and you want to move on completely, you can do that. It's uh, it's 1.2 million. It means basically nothing. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting move to happen. I mean, that happened before this. Uh, the other two things went down, but uh, just another option of an arm that's you know I think is solidly better than the than the Williams Perez class that's gotten starts over the last couple of years. So if you throw out Josh Colmenter in a fifth starter role, it's not ideal, but it's still an upgrade on what you've been doing. And that's kind yeah. of the over kind of the overarching theme for me is that look if you look at the rotation right now, even with all of the age stuff, you're still in a much much better position than you were most of last year. Oh, without a doubt. Without, I mean, no one knew that Whistler and Blair would be as bad as they were, but without a doubt, it's in a better place now. No question about that. Um, and what you know, the, the other actual little move that has more to do with the bullpen uh, is old, old pal Jordan Walden is back on a minor league contract. Um, the deal is as such where Walden gets one million dollars if he makes the team, um, with two million additional in incentives if he makes the team and pitches well. Um, he has a bunch of injury stuff. He missed all of 2016 and really has only thrown 10 innings over the last two years. But um, Braves fans probably remember that Walden was very, very good um, when he was with the Braves. He has a career 3.00 ERA with a sub-3 FIP in about 220 major league innings. He was, you know, it was 2013-2014 in Atlanta when he, when he was quite good in the setup role. Um, I don't mind this at all. And honestly, if he's healthy, that'd be a great value at a million dollars. But I guess, you know... I'm, just, I'm really just mentioning him just for housekeeping sake, but is that, does that move excite you at all, maybe if he can get healthy? Yeah, why not? It, it's obviously a huge if if he can get healthy. He really hasn't been healthy in two years and had injury problems even when he was pitching well in Atlanta in 2013 and 14. But yeah, if, if he can somehow stay healthy and, and, and put it all together and was the pitcher he was a few years ago, um, he'll be a huge bargain at a million bucks. Um, and again, if he shows up to the spring and, and he's just his velocity isn't there, he's hurt, uh, you just cut him, you shake hands, and, and you go from there. So very little risk. Uh, best case, he gives you you know 40, 50 innings of really good uh, middle relief. 
Um, but yeah, pretty minor move and, and we'll certainly, uh, keep an eye on him in the spring as once we get closer to spring training. Yeah. And we have, we haven't talked a ton about the bullpen with good reason because it's just so much more volatile. Like you kind of just don't know, like it's all, I'm almost in that situation where just show me who's on the team when the season yeah. starts, uh, with the bullpen, you know, there's more, there's some guys that are inter- more interesting than others. Like a is obviously super interesting Cabrera because of his fastball and Shea Simmons because Shea was so, so good when he came up. But, you know, Ian Kroll was good out of nowhere this year. Like, you kind of just don't know what you're getting from an out, unless you're around the team and we're not around the team enough to know. So it's, you know, guys like Walden, we know we know, we know Jordan Walden was good in, in the major leagues, but that was two years ago or more. Um, so it's just another name to throw in there. I definitely don't mind it, but um, I, I would recommend not getting too attached to Jordan Walden uh, as, as a Braves fan at this point because if he was not on the team in mid-March, I would not be surprised at all. No. Um, all right. Well, with that out of the way, I do want to congratulate Ender Inciarte on the gold glove. We talked a lot about that the last couple of weeks, but Ender won the gold glove this week for center field and, and center, uh, and for the national league. And of course, Nate Markakis did not win, which uh, was a blessing, um, to everyone because Jason Hayward obviously needed to win it. And he did. Um, I don't really have it. I don't really have anything to say on this other than Ender's awesome at defense and, uh, he should have won. Yep. Uh, that's all you got to do. I mean, it, 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 it yeah. could just be a yeah. I mean, but a joy to watch, and I hope. I really hope. I can't imagine that the Braves trade Ender. Some people were tweeting about teams might call on him. I'm not sure they will, with good reason. Oh, but they'll call I on hope him. Just keep him. <laughs> uh, it would have to be just kind of an ins- absurd return, uh, just because you know exactly what you're getting from him and and the way he hit too. You know, anything he hits is really kind of gravy with his glove. Uh, but yeah, love Ender and hope he's around for a long time. Oh, I, was, I didn't. I didn't prep you on this, so sorry about this. But I, I did want to ask you. Um, I got into a discussion this week about Ender um, as a leadoff hitter, and I, I'm a little bit skeptical, a little bit of his bat in general. Um, he had a good year this year, no question about that. Really, the second half especially was lights out. But do you think it's like a no-brainer that he's a leadoff hitter for the next few years? Because I don't really think that. I think I'm. It, it's, it certainly could happen if he can post a, an OBP in that 350-360 range. Then sure. I'm just not 100% sold on that, and I feel like uh, a lot of the writers and uh, especially fans are kind of just writing him in and pen in a leadoff spot. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, looking at, I guess if Ozzy Albies comes up and becomes the star, he's someone who could take over. If Malik Smith ever learns how to hit at the big league level, he's someone with his speed he could take over. Um, I would think for next year, it's, it's a pretty safe bet. I, I don't really see anyone knocking on the door um, for next yeah. year. Um, but you know, projecting three years down the road, who knows if he can keep putting up a 350 on base percentage, I don't see any reason why they at least wouldn't give him every chance to do it. Um, but yeah, I would think at least for the next year or two, I would, I think he's the heavy odds on favorite to be the leadoff guy. Yeah. He's going to start there. There's almost no doubt about that. Barring some weird trade of a prototypical leadoff hitter. Um, he's going to start the year there. I just, I think I'm, I love Ender. I'm a bat, the bat I'm less sold on than, some people seem to be. I, I don't really care, honestly, if he hits that much. As long as he's passable with his bat, he's still going to be very good in terms of an everyday player. But um, the bat, I don't think is uh, quite as good as he was in the second half, for sure, with like a 400 OBP. That doesn't really seem like a sustainable thing for him, knowing what we know about his past and his age. But listen, I hope it I hope it happens. I hope Ender hits hits like that for a full body of the season. If he does that, he's like a near MVP candidate. That's how, that's how good he could yep. be if he could hit like that. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there just uh, for a little bit of background. But um, one more topic before I let you get out of here, Scott. Um, you know, DOB posted 
something this week about from Copy. This is, I should say, before the um, Cologne and Dickey signings, but um, he talked about um, adding a starter or two, which obviously already happened. Um, but he really, the, the thing I want to spotlight here is that um, Copy was uh, open about possibly adding a, a catcher to pair with Tyler Flowers. That's a, that's a quote, was to pair with Tyler Flowers. And he also talked about a, a potential to add a super utility type of guy. Um, I guess we'll focus on catcher here. And there's a couple of names that were thrown out by DOB and I, I believe Bowman. Some, it's some combination of these two. But Jason Castro, Nick Hundley, and of course uh, Matt Wieters, who we talked about a lot on this podcast, and, of course, Copy also acknowledged uh, actual interest in Brian McCann in a way that GMs uh, usually don't. Like, he was pretty open in saying that they actually have called on McCann, have talked about McCann. Um, those are a lot of interesting names that are actually not so interesting. But uh, I guess we'll hit this one, one at a time if you want to. Um, any of these guys interest you uh, between uh, Castro, Hunley, Weeders, and, uh, of course, the trade from McCann that we've talked about for seemingly a month and a half now? I think of that group. Castro makes the most sense just given his age and, and kind of, uh, you know, he was great a couple of years ago. And since then he's been pretty average. Um, you know, I, I think I would be much more inclined to take on Castro to pair with flowers for, you know, on a two year 15, uh, even like a three year, $20 million deal. I would be much more in favor of that. Um, than bringing on McCann. It sounds like the Yankees, at least right now have a pretty ridiculous asking price for, uh, for McCann, uh, which is fine. It, it doesn't hurt to set the price high for uh, at least at the start of the offseason. But um, Hunley has been really pr- uh, pretty dull the last couple of years. He, I guess he would be a cheap, cheap option if, if Castro uh, and McCann go elsewhere. Um, and, of course, Matt Wieters is out there. He's kind of been lazily tied to the Braves um, just because of he's from Georgia. Um, Wieters has not been very good the last couple of years and really has kind of been a I want to say a bust, but hasn't been as good as people thought since coming up as a top prospect. Um, I guess if if the market was much less for Weeders than what most have projected, I I would think the Braves take a look at him. But um, you know, people are talking about Weeders getting a you know three year thirty three million dollar deal, something like that. Um, I would have I would want no part of of him at that price, uh, just considering how average he's been the last couple seasons. It's actually less than I've heard him getting. So that'll tell you everything you need to know. Like I've seen people talk yeah. about three forty five for oh, Matt Weeders. Um and it's just because of the catching market, how it is. I mean, I think we all know Wilson Ramos is the most interesting name on the free agent market, but when the guy tears his ACL late in the season, it really throws a wrench in everything. And while you know, I thought I thought I thought he was in line for like a, at least a five eighty or maybe even a five hundred, uh, five years, a hundred million dollar year for Ramos. Like that curveball kind of messed up the market. And if you take him out of it, um, or at least um, put a uh, some some sort of caveat on him, Weeders is probably the best guy available. But it also doesn't mean that he's that he's that good. It's kind of like starting pitching where, you know, there's the guys who are the best guys, but that doesn't mean they're going to be that good for you so you know Weeders just for last year's sake you know an 88 WRC plus last year and he'll be 31 in May you know he's pretty good early on but like you mentioned it like he's never been quite as good as everybody seems to believe he's been and like he's he's pretty pretty ordinary like I think he's probably better than Tyler Flowers um but not by that much I mean and yeah, and has injury concerns. Yeah, I mean, again, Flowers was, I don't think Flowers is as good as he was in 2016. So, like, that I have to say that. But, you know, Weeders is a better player. But is it worth paying an eight-figure salary over multiple seasons? Like, maybe not. I mean, if you told me they signed him, Matt Weeders for, like, two for 25, I would be totally cool with it. 
because yeah. it's just because it's short. But if you go if you go give a guy like that like four years at basically yeah. any any price, I'm I'm gonna hate it. Yeah, especially with catchers, I care far more about the years on the deal than the actual dollars, uh, just because catchers like pitchers are just. Uh, you just never know when they're going to fall off a cliff. Um, I, I would care far more about adding another year or two on than adding a couple million dollars for you know a shorter term deal. Yeah, if you want, if you want Matt Weeters, you're, you're hoping that he likes to come home to Atlanta um, or come home to Georgia. I should say it's that's probably the only thing because uh, you know there's not really an incentive for guys like uh, you know high end free agents or even if you don't, if you want to treat him as a high end free agent to come to the Braves right now unless you overpay for them. Because guys who take a discount usually take a discount to make a World Series run like right now. And that's not something that I think we all expect. It'd be fun if the Braves made a World Series run in 2017. But um, if, you're, if you're a veteran, uh, you can't really look at this team and say, yep, World Series next year. Uh, so the guys that the Braves would sign at a high cost would probably be an overpay. And they'd have to know that going in. And with Weeders and at catcher, like you just said, not ideal candidate to do that. There's some spots where overpaying is okay because they're pretty stable. Catcher is catcher's not one of those. Yeah, I, I really would not like to see the Braves uh, do something crazy at the catcher position, and I don't think they will. I think they realize that Tyler Flowers is pretty steady, and they can always um, add a, a reasonable backup for cheaper, um, even if the top guys here don't go to Atlanta. Um, I can't imagine they're going to blow the bank for a catcher, especially when, as I just mentioned, Flowers was pretty solid last year. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as he was in 2016, um, but he can certainly hold his own back there. And as long as the catcher is able to uh, just kind of handle the young pitching staff, and well, I guess it's no longer such a young staff, but if they can work with the young pitchers, and that's all they really need to ask for at this point. Oh, I meant to ask you this earlier, and I'm glad I just thought of it again. Uh, with Ari Dickey on the staff, do you think the Braves have to go like find a knuckleball catcher? Is that like my my thing is obviously you want a guy who can do it, but with him being basically your fifth starter, uh, it's kind of hard to prioritize. I don't know. It's a weird yeah. spot because like you I want mean, to give if, Dickey an opportunity to succeed, but you don't want to screw up the rest of your team as a result. You know, if it was Ari Dickey of five years ago when he was going to win the Cy Young, yeah. I think it's a bigger deal. But I mean, if Flowers lets a couple of wild, pe- you know, wild knuckleballs past him, unless it just becomes a point where the Braves are losing games they shouldn't just because the catcher can't catch the ball. Um, of course, they'll have all spring to kind of get used to, to catching. Um, if it's a huge problem, I'm sure. I think it's Josh Tolley is the one who's always kind of out there to catch yes. Dickey. Um, I can't imagine he's doing much these days. Um, if it ever became a huge issue, I'm sure they could figure out something to, to get a replacement to catch Dickey every fifth day. But I'm going to guess they'll have plenty of time to kind of figure it out and, um, and, and let Flowers get accustomed to it. Yeah, people ask me about that, so I wanted to get that in there. But I, th- I do think it's interesting, though, that if, if you pair Dickey um, with just the, the lack of velocity and his delivery with Flowers and his lack of arm – that could oh, be a a, uh, a a really tough uh, base running situation. So, you know, they're going to obviously sign another another catcher. I don't think it's going to be Anthony Recker going into next year as a backup. I could be wrong. I guess that's a scenario where it's always plausible. But I expect the Braves to sign a catcher somewhere or or trade for one or do something at catcher. And you might want to consider a guy with a better arm than Flowers just because um, that Dickie-Flowers combination would get ugly in a hurry on the base pass. Yeah. 
but and that's, you know. I mean, that's that's a fringe thing. I, I mean, I think we both know that that's not like a huge consideration for the team building, but uh, it wouldn't be a lot of fun to watch that against like a, an actual base stealer because it's gonna it's just gonna be free a free for all um, because oh, Flowers okay. was basically one of those by himself this year. Well, and and that's the thing too. You point on that issue. However, I don't know of any. Uh, just stud catchers who are readily available right now. You know, the Cardinals aren't getting rid of Yachty or Molina. Uh, you know, there's just there's just so few options. And you kind of touched on just the state of the catcher market. If there was a, a, a shutdown catcher out there, I'm sure he would be, you know, heavily in play for just about everyone. So I think that's one of those problems. The Braves, after winning 68 games, are just going to kind of have to take in stride. And if it's suddenly a huge problem two months into the season, maybe they try to fix it some other way uh, than what, with, what they have with flowers was there a harmonica playing the national anthem in the background that i, just I heard? think so that i was have tremendous sunday night football we're as we're filming uh but it was like a five-man band so yeah there that you was, go little- sorry i mean i was the first time i actually heard anything in the background and uh, uh the logistics the logistics of this podcast have been interesting on both of our ends but uh i thought that was amusing and kind of kind of timely so well patriotic on veterans day weekend it certainly was um well with that scott we can talk about a lot of stuff but uh i'm gonna let you roll here um we've we talked about a lot there's more to come uh almost certainly as the braves and you know copy's reputation precedes him on the fact that he's going to be doing stuff throughout the offseason um but it was nice to have some stuff to talk about and some actual new moves i'm very excited about the bartolo cologne era um it'll be great for the for the website that we write for if nothing else absolutely if anything this front office doesn't keep things boring. They like to, to spice it up and get creative, and I think that should make for a fun winner uh, just kind of the whole way through. Uh, well, before I let you go, man, plug anything that you did this week that you know is coming because uh, people should be reading TalkingChop.com and uh, your stuff especially. Yeah, you know, we kind of touched on the points, but I just kind of I wrote on Thursday after after Bartolo was signed that uh, I really liked the signings for what he and, and what Dickey would bring, especially given their contracts. Um, wrote on that, of course, we had a lot of coverage of all the free agent signings for both kind of the news side of it and then the reaction. So keep on clicking, keep on checking out the site. We'll have uh, we'll have stuff every day, even though it's the off season for for the Braves. It's certainly not the off season for us. How's that for a How's that for a tag? That was uh, a strong uh, pitch from you. I really appreciate you doing that. Um, follow Scott on Twitter also at scottcolin 55 uh, Must follow if you don't do that already. Follow me at BT Roland or the, or the site if you somehow are not following the site yet at Talking Chop. Um, we're always here, and uh, we'll be back again next week with another podcast. Thanks again to Scott, and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, do all those things, and we'll be back a week from now. <laughs>